We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins and a plethora of best ball topics on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Zachary Kruger, who you may know from Rotoviz, NBC Sports Edge, Best Ball Shows, so many different things. He is filling in for Curtis, who is out on vacation this week. I stumbled through the intro a couple of times in the interest of full disclosure, had to go back and re record it, but I think we're off to an okay start now, Zach. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. You know, as a, as a big Cheers fan, I'm just like to say that I'm happy to be on a podcast where everyone knows my name uh, and uh, I'm ready to get this thing started with you up. So I know that you did struggle with the opening a couple of times. Luckily, we edit those out. We get the clean one in, we get it going and we get the show on the road. So I think it will be fine here. Uh, pumped to be on here with you, Dave. I always enjoy doing a podcast with you. Oh, yeah, me too. So I'm, I'm appreciating the energy there. Had more time allowed for today. I had a couple of Cheers related sound effects. Uh, moving around in the old head of mine. Next time you're on, we'll work some of those in. Okay. <laughs> All right. But I want to start off today here with an FFPC stat attack. I think you might like it. Okay. So Tyreek Hill is going to Miami. I wanted to look up a couple of fun facts on Tyreek Hill. One place that I went to was touchdowns per target. We know that Hill has been a pretty efficient touchdown scorer. But I actually found a player that has been surprisingly, I'm actually going to say two players surprisingly efficient. I went back into the road of a screener since 2017. All players, I looked at all players between 2017 to now, seen 50 or more combined targets. Tyreek Hill actually only ranks 14th in targets per touchdown with 12.5 targets to every touchdown. However, the number one player in that metric is Miles Boinkin with eight targets to every touchdown, followed by Gabe Davis with 8.5 to every touchdown, and then Jamar Chase with 9.5 targets to every touchdown. How many guesses would it, would it have taken for you to produce Miles Boinkin, Zach? I, w- I literally would have never, ever 
landed on Miles Boykin. I'm looking him up right now. A career line over three seasons of 33 catches, 470 yards, seven touchdowns on 56 career targets. So he literally just makes the cut. I think you said the minimum threshold there is 50 targets. Yep. So he literally just makes the cut. 33, 477. I mean, that's that's crazy. And now the Ravens are shopping him this offseason. I think he's still in the roster right now. I think he's probably going to get cut. But if you have any access to John Harbaugh, I would say maybe send him that because uh, <laughs> he, he may not know what he has based on this FFPC stat attack. So that's a that's a good stat to know. Miles um, Boykin, always a guy I liked, size, speed, specimen, but just really hasn't quite put it together in that Ravens offense. I don't think it being run heavy helps either. But um, they've, they've kind of got some guys now who I think are going to be definitely playing over him in 2022 and beyond. So uh, fun little tidbit to carry, nice feather in his cap, but we'll see We'll see if he's able to carry that on to 2022. Oh, yeah, that's right. This was actually unintentional. Your uh, hometown team is the Ravens, is it not? It, it is. When I, when I was younger, I did used to, to root more aggressively for the Ravens. When I got older, I, I kind of put aside my, my team allegiances, so I don't aggressively really cheer for any team actually i would honestly say that if i was to like reinsert myself into the i'm a fan of this team conversation it would probably be the buffalo bills uh i've I've been to buffalo several times one of my college roommates is from buffalo i love the the vibe that they have great beer great wings just i mean great food in general um they got other things besides wings out there too like i love going to bills games i love the town of buffalo my wife knows that if we could move there I would, um, but right now I have to settle for maybe the idea of a vacation house somewhere down the line to to uh, to to get my bills intake. But if I were to turn back into fandom, it would probably be the Buffalo Bills. But yes, the Ravens. I grew up rooting for the Ravens. Wow. Well, hey, I mean, I think the Bills right now look like a franchise that would be a good option for your fandom uh, for the coming years. But anyways, that was our FFPC stat attack. We are now going to make our way into talking about Tyreek Hill making his way now to Miami. Zach, I want to get your thoughts on what this does for Hill specifically. In your perspective, does this move him up or down your draft board? We'll open by talking about redraft specifically. And then after I get your take on Hill, I will have a couple of follow-ups. Yeah, so I mean, just... just Purely speaking, even just from, you know, the question here says redraft, but I think we kind of just throw best ball into that as well. Best ball redraft season league. I think you have to move Hill down, even if it's just a little bit. I think that uh, someone like uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously, is going to be a first rounder. Jamar Chase, first rounder. Cooper Cup, first rounder. I think Devontae Adams is maybe teetering on that first round option. I'd I'd like to think that Derek Carr is going to be peppering him with targets in 2022, and he's still going to have a lot of the upside that we kind of expected with Green Bay. Obviously, when your quarterback's no longer Aaron Rodgers, that hurts. But someone's going to have to go down a little bit um, just based on some of the receivers who have risen up um, over this past season. So now that you're downgrading from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa, I do think that you're going to have to slide Hill down just a little bit. Um, He's still going to probably be a second-round pick. He's probably still going to be a top he may still be a top five or six wide receiver overall. Um, I think that when I look at this, I just see a clear downgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think that we need to be like maybe as weary as some people want to be on Hill. I'm not, I'm not really ready to put my flag on Tua being a good or bad quarterback yet. I really kind of want to wait and see what he's able to do in year three on uh, with, with a coach that we, we think may be more offensively geared to seeing him succeed, 
2022. They, they've got another year with Jalen Waddle. They got Mike Kosicki back. They've got a couple of running backs who I think are nice pieces. And then on top of that, um, you know, just, just the fact with the new coaching regime, that's going to look to hopefully help them improve. One thing that I looked at with Tua and just his body of work over the last couple of years in his final year at Alabama, he had a deep ball completion percentage of 48.7%. Uh, his rookie year with the Dolphins, he was 34.5%. That was not very good. But then in 2021, he bounced back to a 48.3% deep ball completion percentage, um, which ranks seconds amongst quarterbacks, the minimum of 18 deep ball attempts. Tua actually has a very good history of being an accurate deep ball thrower, which we tend to, you know, view as being the, the, you know, the elite part of Tyreek Hill's game. So, I mean, the, the rookie season, the, the deep ball accuracy and overall performance is disappointing, but he's got a body of work that shows that he can play well, that he can throw the ball deep and do so successfully. And I think he kind of needs to get a little bit of a pass from that rookie season when he was coming back from that hip injury. So I, I kind of view year three as like, which one are we going to see more of the, the, the rookie season, the sophomore season or something in between. And I think that this season is going to be the one where we're going to get to see that um, with Tua. So we slide Tyreek Hill down just because we don't quite know what the expect of Tua. But I personally think that Tua has a chance to, to be a very solid quarterback um, for at least 2022 with the weapons they have around him adding Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Well, I think it is nice to see, from an organizational standpoint, this team going out, doing some things to try to revamp this offense, get some pieces there. Now, is this a better situation for Hill than it was in Kansas City? No, but I, like you, I don't think that this depletes his value by a very huge amount. Um, obviously, playing with one of the better offenses that, that we've seen over the last 10 years helps. But in Miami, I think that two is going to show that he's competent enough and he doesn't necessarily need to be a good NFL quarterback to support this duo of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. There's going to be room there for Hill to get enough of a target share, I think, that it will offset some of the efficiency because I do think it's fair to think we're going to see a step back in efficiency. But it should also, I think, complement him in uh, some ways by playing with Waddle. So I don't think that this is this huge death knell to his redraft stock. But what would you say to people that might be worried about um, Jalen Waddle's outlook now that he's going from that very, very strong rookie season where he was now in line to be the main offensive threat heading into this year for the team where he's now going to have to take a little bit of a back seat to Tyreek? Yeah, so for for Waddle, what, what we had from him last season, 140 targets, which he turned into 104 receptions, 1,015 yards and six touchdowns. Um Certainly, he's going to take a little bit of a step back, you know, I think in, in terms of that overall target volume. Last season, Tyree Kill himself saw 161 targets in the Chiefs offense. So we, we know that, you know, Hill is a, a wide receiver who is certainly capable of earning those targets. But I think that when it comes to someone like Waddle and Hill, I think they're going to both coexist uh, at, at least well enough to hopefully um, – you know, be, be guys who were excited to start every single week. I just want to take a quick look here. Um, when we look at what we saw last season with Waddle, he was the wide receiver 14 in PPR per game at 15 and a half points. I think maybe that dips off just a little bit, but I think that because of the way that he's used, he's not like the exclusive deep threat. Like we're going to view uh, Tyreek Hill being, he's a guy who 
is able to work in all areas of the field. He's a good yak guy. So I, I don't really want to rule myself too far out of Waddle. I think a top 24 in terms of fantasy points per game outcome is still well within his range of outcomes in this offense. I would say that the guy I'm a little bit more worried about in that pass catching role um, for Miami is probably going to be Mike Gesicki. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they, they obviously they got Hill. They're going to utilize him. They got Waddle, who's coming off 140 targets. Also, you can't forget the fact that he's got that connection with Tua going back to their days at Alabama. So there's a lot of familiarity there where I'm not sure that it's going to necessarily pull Tua off of Waddle as much as it made Mike Gesicki in a, in, you know, a tight end position that's not necessarily, you know, something that we're ever excited about drafting a fantasy to begin with. I think Gesicki could take a little bit more of a hit there. We'll get on the tight end landscape a little bit more later on, but that's where I'm actually leaning. So I, I think Waddle still has a potential um, top 24 season in him in 2022. Yeah, you know, talking about the way that they will be used and how um, Waddle can be used all over the field last year. Actually, he only saw around 18 targets that went for 15 or more yards. A very mm-hmm. high amount of his targets came in low depth ranges, which is one of the reasons why we actually saw a pretty low a dot for Waddle, something that I think was lower than most people would expect, or if they weren't paying attention, they would have been surprised to see. Uh, for me personally, I think that this moves back Waddle to that, end of the wide receiver two range um it moves back hill some um but if jalen waddle is as good as i think that he could be then we probably don't need to worry about him falling out of that range i'm still going to be drafting him like he's a wide receiver that i expect to finish somewhere between wide receiver like 22 to wide receiver 24 yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm looking at him up now. A dot of seven point one, which is just ridiculously shallow uh, for for what we expect for wide receivers. So uh, he wasn't seeing a lot of that those, <laughs> those deep targets, like you mentioned. So I mean, it is it necessarily an impressive A dot? No, but do we know that he can do things after the catch? Yes, he had 439 yards after the catch last season. Um, certainly not a bad. A, bad number there for someone who's seen it. If you're going to have a short A dot, we want to see if he plays after the catch. And he did that. And I think he's going to be capable of doing that going forward as well. Yeah. Terrific point there. I think that's definitely something we have to mention. Um, transitioning a little bit now into best ball before we get into it, why don't you tell our listeners in case they have not checked out the best best ball show, what uh, you have going on over there with a uh, good friend, uh, Colin Kelly. Yeah, so so Colm and I, we did a, the best best ball show last season. We started probably close to the summertime. Um, we're going to be looking to run that back again in 2022. We're going to look, be looking to start that hopefully uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks as April comes up. We, I think we want to get a few pre-draft um, shows in. And then really after the NFL draft, that's we're going to start hitting on some more best ball points. We really um, kind of focused year one on making a few evergreen shows. Certainly with any given year, things are going to change a little bit. But um, we wanted to be able to introduce people to best ball, focus it on a little bit more and have those evergreen shows where if someone wants to check back, and they're curious about best ball, they come across our shows, talk a little bit about some more surface level strategies and things of that nature, explain the game to them, because I really think best ball is just growing in a ridiculous way over the last year or two. So 
Um, the best best ball show going to be run back again in 2022. Hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit deeper on some different topics, draft strategies and things of that nature. Now that we hopefully have a little bit more of a familiarized audience with the game. And then we're just going to be doing, you know, drafts, player, player, uh, you know, strategies, things of that nature, talking roster construction. Um, just, just trying to tackle something that Colin and I both really enjoy doing, which is doing best ball drafts and, and putting teams together. So we, we did a couple of them last season. I have not yet done. My own drafts yet. I did one with Sean and Colm a couple weeks ago over on my FFPC uh, that has only received the boon from the fact that Albert O and Noah Fant are now on different teams. When we had them, we drafted them both as Broncos. So we've actually had some fun just kind of tracking that team over the, the offseason and seeing how that team's kind of gotten a little bit of a boost. But we'll be running back the best best ball show coming up here in a few weeks and, and getting ready to deliver that best ball goodness. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, well, anybody that is interested in getting more into best ball as they work their way into 2022, definitely check it out. Um, I know if you go right now to the feed, you're going to see a couple of shows on specific tr- strategies. One talking about pro- approaching tight ends, I believe, in particular, elite tight end, mo- modified zero running back, uh, full zero running back, different ways that you can structure some of these teams. And of course, we have all of the tools at Rotoviz that you need to help you get through those leagues. And as an added incentive, uh, as Curtis and I talked about recently, if you head over to Underdog and you sign up, using a link that will be in this show sheet or using the promo code rotoviz at underdogfantasy.com you will get a 100% 
deposit match on your first deposit up to $100. So not only are you going to be able to get more money on your deposit, you're going to be able to listen to these shows to help you make sure that you're using that money in the absolute best way that you can. With that in mind, my friend, we are going to do, and I'm looking for what I feel like is the appropriate sound effect for this. And we're going to have to go with, we're going to do, we're going to call it a lightning round. Okay. A little bit of a lightning round here. All right. A little spooky here. Set the tone for a lightning round. What we're going to do here is I am going to give you a series of yes or no questions. You don't have to elaborate too much. Uh, you can just give me a yes or no. We are going to start with running backs. Najee Harris, who currently has an ADP of 9.3, ends the 2022 season with a higher win rate than Dalvin Cook, who has an ADP of 13.9. Yes or no? I'm going to go with yes on this one. Najee Harris had one of the best overall opportunity shares of any running back in the league last year. And we kind of know that Mike Tomlin is not afraid of fully committing to his RB1 in a, in a in a three down role, uh, whether that be running or pass catching and Najee Harris can do both and did so very well. So uh, these are pretty close ADPs. I also think Dalvin Cook has a little bit of an injury history concern that uh, fortunately Najee didn't really see in year one. So between the volume, even having Mr. Trubisky back, they're going to have to find ways to get the ball in the hands of their best playmakers. Najee's going to provide an easy outlet to Trubisky. I think he's going to have a high opportunity share again. So I'll bank on Harris kind of seeing a, a repeat uh, opportunity share in 2022 and really kind of being worth that that late first round pick yeah i'm in the same place as you on that one i think that the questions that you could come up with uh about Najee harris to me are not uh more serious than the questions that you could have about dalvin cook or the things that you could worry about at this point so i I like that take there all right jamar chase with an adp of 5.9 ends the 2022 season with a higher win rate than debo samuel who has a current adp of 20.6 this one's going to be a little tough. Um, I, I'm coming out on the chase side of this one, uh, just just in part because uh, he was obviously elite in 2021. You can only imagine how much better Chase is going to be in 2022. On top of that, what he needed to have, you know, kind of fixed, what the Bengals need to have fixed overall as an offense was their offensive line. They've already addressed that in a pretty major way, and we're not even at the NFL draft yet where they may get a few more offensive linemen. Debo, on the other hand, while I love what he did last season, I, I think that he was, you know, a very pleasant surprise from the fantasy perspective um, in, in more ways than one. He, he emerges, you know, a, a borderline running back in some ways, 365 rush yards last season. But Debo, to me, could possibly be a product of what the 49ers did and didn't have in Jimmy G. So we saw him have a very solid receiving season over 1300 yards, six touchdowns. Then we also saw him have a decent running season, uh, another eight rushing touchdowns and 365 yards. I question how much of the running production is going to be sustainable heading into 2022 with what we're assuming is going to be Trey Lance as a starting quarterback, um, which is I think going to inevitably have to impact some um, rushing floors of some players. It's going to be Elijah Mitchell for sure. If they're going to be running with Debo Samuel, it's probably going to be to the lesser extent than what they did this past season. So you have that aspect to factor into it. Eight rushing touchdowns. I would be willing to bet 
Debo's never going to replicate that again for the rest of his career, which is really where the bulk of his rushing production came from in terms of fantasy points. And then you have to also deal with the adjustment of learning how to play with Trey Lance, a quarterback who is probably in a lot of ways still very raw from a passing perspective. So um, I don't want to elaborate too much longer on a, on a lightning round question, but I'm going to go with Jamar Chase on an improved offense with a quarterback we know can get him the ball, uh, elite thrower of the football, and an offense that is very much geared towards the, the pass-heavy side of things. So I, I really like Jamar Chase in this one. I think that he has a chance um, to, to come out on the, the on the win rate side of this thing as, as a victor. Yeah, so this question is kind of just designed around two players that we're going to hear probably all summer about how they're both due for regression, which is probably true. And in this case, we have a delta mm-hmm. of about 15 spots in ADP. However... These circumstances for Debo that got him to where he was last year, as you said, were kind of like the perfect storm. Now, Jamar Chase is a player that many, uh, you know, us at Rotoviz were saying this is the type of guy that comes around maybe once or twice in a decade. So to me, it's not outside the realm of possibility that we see Jamar Chase do what he did last year or even build upon it. Whereas Debo, it's going to have to be a perfect storm again. Um, and to me, is kind of a scary player at that ADP. So I'm definitely on board with Chase there. But, you know, the thing is why I have fun asking these is you never like on these. They might seem obvious, but you never know if there's something you're missing there that somebody else might see. This one uh, is kind of interesting too. James Conner at an ADP of 50 has a higher win rate than Debo's teammate, Elijah Mitchell, with an ADP of 50.3. How do you see this one shaking out? When it comes to James Conner, I struggle to be confident in the idea of him being any more than a back that's going to find himself in a 50-50 split, even if he doesn't appear to be that right now. Uh, Chase Edmonds, obviously, he's gone to Miami, so the, the threat of him being there is no longer a thing. I'm not sure that, you know, Benjamin is ever going to be a thing. So as of today, it looks like James Conner kind of has a backfield to himself and is, is you know, going to be in line for you know, 300 carries and 1,200 yards and a million touchdowns. That's probably not going to be the case because what's going to happen is – uh, the, the Cardinals are going to bring in somebody else, even if it's just to play behind Connor, but ahead of, you know, Benjamin. And then in addition to that, if you want to talk about regression, we got to consider the fact that James Connor just rushed for 15 touchdowns and had another three receiving while only having only averaging 3.7 yards per carry. So uh, James Connor received a tremendous boost from his touchdown production, even if he necessarily wasn't the most efficient running back on the ground from a yards standpoint. So, um, I think there's going to be a split coming his way. I think that right now the Cardinals are probably going to be looking to draft someone, maybe a day two pick who we really like to pair up with with Kyler and company. And then James Conner's ADP is going to start slipping. I, I don't see this ADP of 50 holding for much, much longer after the draft. I think something's going to happen where it's going to start sliding. Whereas Elijah Mitchell, I think, is going to be kind of the guy where his biggest competition may literally come from Trey Lance who that may be annoying, but we know that he's still going to likely be operating as RB1. And I think the volume that he's going to have as the RB1 in San Francisco is going to be greater than that of James Conner in uh, Arizona. And Conner has, you know, the injury histories and stuff like that. So I'm going team Elijah Mitchell here on this one. I like it. So this is one though, where I'm actually going to, for one of the reasons that you actually mentioned, pivot though away from your answer, and I'm going to go Connor because I, in my perspective, these are both backs who many people will have penciled in for particular volumes heading into the season, and I think they will both probably end up 
with volumes different than people are expecting. ADP-wise, I think Connors will get depressed more than Mitchell's will. As a result, he's going to be further back for maybe a similar result and will end up with the higher win rate. Um, That's a good point. So this is maybe that question maybe is more an exercise in just thinking through how things function in best ball leagues um, versus really having an actionable takeaway. And then this one's just kind of for fun. Tom Brady scores more fantasy points than Deshaun Watson. Yes or no? I, I think it's yes. I, I don't know what the Deshaun Watson uh, end game is going to be here in terms of how the league's going to come down on any kind of suspension or anything like that. But if Tom Brady plays a full 17 game season and even Deshaun Watson misses like four games, if we're just talking total fantasy points here, I don't think it's going to be very hard for right. Brady to beat him. So points per game. Be, points per game. Points per game. I'll I'll still go Brady. Yeah, me too. He, he, he's the goat. He's not a year removed from the game. He's he's not learning a, a new offense. So I, I'll still go. I'll still go Brady there. But real quick here, we're yep. going to go back to James Conner and Elijah Mitchell just because now I want to swing this one a little bit differently because nice. nice. I like your point about I like your point about James Conner and the fact that you think his ADP could be suppressed and as a result, see win rates boosted. Obviously, you know the. If his ADP gets depressed, uh, yeah, I guess depressed. If it gets depressed a little bit, then certainly you're going to have a chance to add other good players ahead of him and then circle back to him later on. Right now, would you say that between Elijah Mitchell and James Conner, that Mitchell or Conner would have a higher win rate for the teams that are drafting right now? And in theory, their ADPs are going to close out at being this 50 and 50.3 range as as early offseason content contests fell. Uh, all right. This is going to be a very nuanced answer. The teams that are drafting Elijah Mitchell right now will have a higher win rate, and that's because they're taking more chances. I'm assuming that the person that's drafting James Conner is taking fewer chances at this point, especially uh, if you're structuring your team in a way where you're taking James Conner at an ADP of 50. I'm not feeling as good about how you might be structuring it if you're taking uh, Elijah Mitchell at 50. That is building in a ton of assumptions, though. Um, Mm -hmm. But does that kind of address like where your line of thought might have been going? Yeah, yeah, that it, that is where where it is for me. Like I, I was definitely like answering based on current EP and just the two being so close. I would I would be leaning Mitchell, but I, I like the way that you then spun in the idea of of later on in this draft season, Connor's ADP. Yes, definitely being suppressed, and then because of that, it gets pushed down some, and then he he sees higher win rates because he's going to be on teams that were able to draft stronger players later on. So. I like that argument. I just had to spin it back the other way and yeah. be like, so what about contests right now? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a perfectly fair point. I like it. All right, Zach, I believe I had one other question for you. I am going to read off. Now, we have not talked uh, in this episode or, or specifically brought up super flex leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I am currently in a super flex league on underdog. My team is not one of these included here, but these were three teams that were picking in the middle um, of the snake. And I want you to tell me if there's one start here that you like more than the other two. So the first team went Aaron Rodgers with their first pick, Trey Lance, AJ Brown, George Kittle. The next team went Joe Burrow, Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift. And the final team went Dak Prescott, Jamar Chase, CD Lamb, and T Higgins. I'm not going to say that there's a right or wrong answer here, but which one of those starts do you like best in a super flex best ball league? I'm really between 
Burrow, Adams, Kamara, Swift, and Dak, Chase, Lamb, and Higgins for me. Uh, I mean, really just because if you think about this, like a couple of years, like, even last year, Alvin Kamara, if you got Alvin Kamara, even at like the back end of the first round, you were excited. Now, now this guy is getting him here at the third round. Again, it's super flex, so I guess you have to adjust a little bit for that. But even still, like you're talking about – what would be a reasonable ADP for Kamara in a, in a single quarterback league? Is he going in the second round? Like, like th- this is kind of crazy to see him going here in the third round with Swift Adams, who I think is going to be good. And then also Burrow. So from the perspective of just where we could maybe have gotten these guys a year ago, I think they're really great values, but from the zero RB perspective, as we know, a staple of the road of this industry, I really do like Dak chase lamb and Higgins for a couple of reasons. First of all, you got Dak and Lamb. You got a little bit of a team stack there if you want to go that angle. And then you have another stack of Chase and Higgins where if these are two offenses that are playing up to the potential that we think they could both be playing at in 2022, then you might have you, – you could possibly be looking into like three, you know, top – maybe top 12 is a little bit bold, but maybe three top 15 wide receivers here plus the top five quarterback and Dak. So I, I really like that team uh, and the way that they've started. I'll, I'll plant my flag on that one. Dak, Jamar, CD. Yeah, it actually took me a while to make a decision here. I hadn't really landed on one of these teams um, until just now when I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to have to share my opinion here. I should probably I should probably take a stance. But I think what it comes down to is that on the team that has Dak in these receivers, I think there's potential for all of those players to outplay where they got drafted, except for maybe Dak, just because he was picked nine overall, right? It's hard to outplay that, but I could see Chase out playing where he goes. I could see Lamb and Higgins out playing where they go, whereas I think that becomes harder on the other teams and there's a lower probability of it happening. Um, I suppose with the exception being that Trey Lance absolutely explodes. Um, and, you know, maybe to some extent, that's what the team is is just basing that Lance pick on very much likely is, uh, but that seems like a less likely scenario to me. So I like the way that the Prescott chase lamb Higgins start is taking um, some of the structural components that we would look in into account while also getting a pretty strong amount of upside into the collection of players that it has, which brings us to the end of the questions that we had topics for this show, Zach, but, Everybody will be gladly excited. I'm not even sure if I'm using that correctly, but you know what? We're not going to edit. Everybody will be excited to hear that you will be returning with me um, tomorrow for another episode. As always, we appreciate you coming on. Anything that you want to plug or tell the people to go check out or any any words for our audience? And then remind me that I have one note from Curtis to share with everybody. Yeah, uh, don't forget to share your note from Curtis. But then outside of that, just be keeping an eye out for the best best ball show dropping uh, with myself and Colin Kelly coming up here. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll probably be rounding out some show notes and some ideas to get a couple of shows coming your guys way in April. And then looking to continue that throughout the rest of the the, uh, the off season up until week one. So definitely keep an eye out for the best best ball show on Road of Biz Radio with myself and Colin. Excellent. And my reminder, I'm I'm happy that I remembered this because it very, very easily would have slipped my mind. Uh, Curtis wanted me to mention to everybody 
that dynasty roster cutdowns for FFPC are on the 31st. In the overwhelming majority of leagues, I don't know if it's all of them, at least every type of dynasty that I'm in on the FFPC, you have to cut down to 16 by the end of the day on the 31st. If you have questions or want help with that, Curtis has a thread on Twitter at uh, CPatrickNFL on Twitter. Shoot him a message and he will help you work through that. Just wanted to remind everybody about that and make sure you can get some assistance if you needed. Thanks for checking in. We will be back here tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>